If you are new to our show, and this is the first episode that you're listening to, then I I just want to let you know that I'm technologically impaired. And for this episode, I forgot to plug in my mic. So thankfully, we have a relatively new laptop here at my household. And uh, the mic isn't terrible, but there's still some feedback and still some echo. And it's not normally the kind of audio quality that you get from our show. I just wanted to let you know that um, I forgot to plug in my microphone. And after we... uh, after we closed the show and finished up and stopped recording, I looked down, saw the cord dangling at my feet and was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm such a dunst. So just wanted to let you know beforehand, I apologize for the audio issues. I am still uh, understandable and uh, the audio levels here are still okay. It's just there's feedback and echo. And also, I know Dave is going to plug this in the show, but... Saturday, the Union Center Starbucks, we will be doing our live show from there at 11 o'clock in the morning. If you are a Cincinnati native or anywhere in the tri-state, please show up. Uh, We will answer your questions live on the show. And Starbucks just had their investor day, so we will have plenty to talk about. Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Pickin' Podcast. It is September the 14th, 2022. It is now 2.30 in the afternoon. This is not a usual night podcast. This is middle of the afternoon. Still active trading day. Just to put that out there. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and as always, I am here with Brandon Beaver. Brandon, happy midweek, hump day, Wednesday, and we're, we're actually meeting while the market's open what's up with that yeah it's crazy it's wild and i just like i i this is so i i'm not over the fact still we're 82 episodes into this and i can come into my study here or guest room or whatever you want to call it and talk and people from all over the country and in some episodes all over the world hear my voice that's really cool yeah, yeah. Who are these group of like three to five people in Switzerland that listen to us? Because you know, I have no. Thank no. you, thank you. By the way, <laughs> reach out to us. Let us know who you are. No uh, idea. It, it it is cool. It is very fun. Um, I say majority of our listeners are are probably not from the Cincinnati area. I assume probably half. Actually, actually, probably are a majority. Um, I would say probably about twenty percent. Gotcha. So, it's, right. but in twenty percent, you say, well, you know, there's still eighty percent left to go, but they're kind of spread out throughout the United States and the world. So, yeah, it's the highest percentages here in Cincinnati. But um, yeah, go. we've got a large group of listeners here, and it's it's really cool. So, having Reverse. said that, having said that, guys, if you want to meet us in person and really try to stump David and Brandon, come by Union Center Boulevard, Starbucks. This Saturday, Saturday, September 17th at 11 a.m., we'll be broadcasting live on Instagram. You can follow us live if you want to. We'll be taking questions as we get them. We'll also be recording the podcast so you can hear it later on. If you can't make it and you can't tune in live, listen to it later on. Enjoy the show. We take some questions. Um, If no one shows up and nobody has questions, Brandon and I will always talk. So you'll have a podcast no matter what. Um, Something to listen to. Hopefully, uh, maybe some of the baristas and then the uh, people working there will have questions for us. 
you know. So. Just in time, man. They've, they've launched their fall drink, so I'll get my pumpkin spice. Yes, yes. Frappe. Maybe uh, if you're listening, maybe we'll have gift cards available for people who show. Who knows? Maybe. Not promising anything. Might happen. Might be good to show. Uh, yeah. But come on by. 11 a.m. Union Center Boulevard. You get to see uh, Brandon and I um, answer some questions. We'll talk to you for a little bit. We'll be there for a while. Um, so come on by 11 a.m. All right. That's enough plugging about that. I know people are tired of hearing all about that. Uh, if you want us to come to your college or university or your restaurant or your place to uh, help support it and drive some business, let us know. Reach out to us, DM us, and we'll be happy to come on by. We just love helping people and spreading news about financials, making people a little bit smarter, more uh, maybe giving them some knowledge they didn't have before about how things work. So Maybe we can do an episode from GameStop and help them out a little bit. I don't know. After everything you said about GameStop, I don't think that would be a good good idea to go I mean, into one, but we can. We, we could bring we one customer into them. That would be one more customer than they probably have right now. The, their, quarter, their quarterly sales are always in a downturn. Not very good at I all. All right. So let's get into it. Uh, rules, rules, rules. Rules are Brandon and I get together five to ten minutes before the show, and we tell each other what we're going to talk about. We actually do not discuss it. You hear the live discussion here on the show. We go back and forth. Sometimes we agree. Sometimes we don't. Brandon's got the meat of all the news today, so he's going to lead off and probably run the show. So, Brandon, take it away. Yeah, you'd think we would talk about the market drop yesterday, but the problem with that is that we had already called that the market was going to drop. So now what do we talk about? Because we already gave the reasons why, and that's exactly what happened, and for the same reasons why we said it was going to. So now we have to go into other things, right? Pretty painful day yesterday for people. I I already had a good like 15% of my portfolio in cash, and I went ahead and sold 20% more of it on Monday. And I was about 90% certain that it was a good idea. Um, and then there's 10% of me that was like, you know, the CPI numbers and PPI numbers that come out this week, maybe they will be in line with market expectations. I didn't expect the CPI to go up. I didn't expect that. Um, I expected it to not drop 0.3%. I thought that we would probably uh, be higher than expected, but I didn't expect it to go up. That was crazy. But we can go into inflation a little bit later because right I now, expected it to go up. I said you? that. Yeah, I expected well, it to go I up. Mean, with so with gas gas prices going down ten percent in the past month, I was probably naive to think that those savings would have enough time to go through the price chain and hit the consumer just within one month time period. But that was kind of my thinking. The gas prices were dropping. So I thought, well, we'd see ease in inflation already. Inflation has so much more to do than just gas. Yes. Oil has a big part to play in it, but there is much more to it than just oil uh, with still continued continued supply chain disruptions which we i think we're finally starting to get near the end of it we're not at the end i would say i said near the end Maybe. um there there's still so many other er uh, areas of the economy that are affected by inflation that i i see still high and still getting higher uh food costs for one i mean i was just every time i go to the grocery store i'm just like man this is outrageous so I here's Here's something. There's a, a, a labor situation in rail in the railroads, and this is something that could 
make the supply chain situation not go away anytime soon. Because today, Norfolk Southern Corporation closed all gates to intermodal traffic on Wednesday at noon today. That's a huge. So if you guys don't know what intermodal is, let me explain this to people who maybe aren't in logistics, aren't in trucking, aren't in those type of things. So an intermodal container is those big containers you see on the cargo ships that go from one one port to another port like Hong Kong, Amsterdam, L.A., New York, the big ports, right? You see them picked off. So they're able to pick these containers off and put it right onto a trailer bed so it could go and be start being trucked across country or onto a train so it could go by train to a, a another part of the country those are those are what we call intermodal trailers that's what brandon's talking about here right now so those are being what's being shut down go ahead brandon and the railroads now have restrictions on hazardous materials that according to the american petroleum institute could have profound impacts on the ability of the petroleum industry to deliver critical energy supplies. So here we go with another potential energy issue. And it's not just energy, it's not just how hazardous materials. Uh, water treatment is gonna be affected because chlorine was among some of the shipments facing restrictions. Where, where are these restrictions coming from? Because I didn't read that when I was reading about this today. Where, where is it coming from? Is it coming um, from Norfolk Southern or is it coming from the, the regulation from the Fed? No, it's it's the union. It's the, it's the, the railroad union. operators. Yeah. So gotcha. it's not just uh, Norfolk. It's uh, BNSF Railway, CSX, Union Pacific are some of the major ones. And they're saying they're no longer going to be shipping those types of materials. Right. Now, they've been in contact uh, contract talks with labor unions since late 2019. Um, but we don't have a resolution yet. The White House is getting involved. They're putting a midnight, I think it was a midnight deadline Friday on this to try to get something uh, going so that there is no strike. Uh, and this is the National Carriers Conference Committee. This is a group that represents freight railroads and collective bargaining and two labor unions um, that are trying to reach an agreement. And yeah, it is Friday night at midnight now that I'm seeing it. That's the end of the window for mediation. And it's a White House appointed panel trying to resolve the dispute. If it doesn't get resolved, big problems. I mean, that's so that's, that's huge problems. So if Friday uh, they don't reach some kind of uh, at least an agreement to carry on as normal and continue talks or something like that, some kind of agreement to further agreement. I've seen those type of things happen before, but if they don't reach something by Friday and then the, the workers quit working, what do they go on strike? It has a huge effect on the economy. That's like the longshoremen's going on strike. Yeah. It, it, it means nothing's going to be moving that. And uh, th then you have to all move it by trucks. Now it costs more money. Now it's, you're, you're doubling the price. Now the unions are promising to not lock coworkers out. If you know, coworkers choose to go back to work, but I, uh, that, that could be an empty promise. These things are unpredictable sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's I don't want to get into it. So, um, if anyone was is listening right now, um, I was a a teamster, and I was actually a teamster uh, alternate union steward. Um, believe it or not, you know not. where Jimmy Hoff is buried? No, no, I do not. But uh, how many so times I, have you gotten that question? A lot. Um, so I, I mean, unions. Yes, yes, they could say they're not going to lock out workers. They could say they're 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 going to allow them to work, but 
from my own personal experience, it's, you know, they're, they're very tough when it comes to uh, not crossing that line and yeah. making sure that people, you know, follow the rules. Yeah. So I, I, I can see if that happens, that's going to make the market drop even more. Uh, and then uh, we're still, I know uh, you and a few other people and uh, some close friends of mine who are investors and watch the market. We're all saying that uh, my call that we will bottom in October and we'll start to move up from that point was too early. But now it's only it's only September 14th, guys. Uh, they're still weeks away. And from uh, where I said that we will probably bottom and then start to slowly move. Um I, I think that we're going to go down because of all this news and it's going to continue to go down and we are going to bottom in October. How, how far do we bottom? I don't know. There's the doom and glooms. The bears were on TV today and yesterday all week. They've been out there on TV saying we're going to hit 3000 on the S and P for the year. That's where we're going to end the year. And I'm just like, Whoa, Whoa, dude, you know, like calm down. I, I know you're happy because you you've been saying, the market's going to go down for 10 years now and it's finally going down. And so now you can say you're right, but like, relax. I don't think we're going to hit 3000 on the SMP. I don't think that's how low we're going. I mean, I'm not yeah. going to call low here on the show, but I'm definitely not going to say 3000. They get they're because nobody ever, we've been a little bearish here, but nobody ever calls out the bears on timing. Um, I mean, do you remember, you remember the 2007, 2008 fiasco and people came out of the woodwork every economist and every, every stock uh, picker wanted to say, I called this. And then, you know, even the famous people that went on record, you could say, well, yeah, you called a recession in 2003. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that was, you know, four or five years ago. You weren't exactly right. No, I could you, say no, a recession's coming at any point in my lifetime. I could say that. And eventually coming. I'll be right. <laughs> It'll right. happen. Right. <laughs> It's just a trick of semantics and time. It, it, it is. It is. And, um, you know, it, it, I appreciate that them getting on TV and giving their viewpoint. Um, I, I can't see us heading that low this year and ending the year with the S&P at 3,000. That would be really bad. It might. We need, I mean, we would need but, more bad news. So a lot more bad news. And I think we've had a lot already. We'll see. We'll see what lies at the other end of this the devil's in inflate and hyperinflation but there's also a devil in deflation that we could be seeing it just depends do we have do we have a soft landing do we have a a mild recession because i don't think i don't think it's questionable are we in a recession right now yeah we've had two consecutive quarters of declining gdp that's been the definition for a very long time but because things become so political we want to try to change their definitions and pretend like they don't exist anymore you know we haven't had a great depression since the great depression but that's just because we don't call it that anymore and now recession recession to declining we're in a we're in a recession right now it's mild right now so the question is is it going to stay mild or is it going to get deeper with the railroad strike it will get deeper uh, because that's going to hurt a supply chain that's trying to get back to where it was before. And China, with its lockdowns, is what's really hurting the supply chain. If China would lift their lockdowns like the rest of the world has and get back to normal, then you know a lot of these things would just um, – the, these supply chain problems would, would go away quicker. Right. 
but China is re refusing to do that. And so it's hurting our pocketbooks, right? So inflation, obviously, we all know it's a bad thing now. Um, the average house household, uh, according to uh, Ryan Sweet, the senior director of economic research at Moody's Analytics, the average household um, compared to last year is now spending $460 more a month on goods and services. It's a lot of money for a lot of people. Um, so we know we got to get that down. We, we got to get it under control. And the Fed's trying to do it. We might see um, a 100 percent or a 100 basis point uh, rate hike at the next meeting. We'll see. It you, cuts into our raises we got from Chinchilla Picking LLC, you know. Yeah. <laughs> all, all of those raises are just gone. Right. <laughs> Instead of and, getting paid nothing, Brandon, we now owe money. <laughs> and, and we did have, we had an increase in wages again for the month, but inflation is again outpacing those increase in wages. So the raises that you're getting um, don't mean much. If anything, you're still losing money. You're still losing pricing power. U.S. suppliers cut again. They cut prices again in August. but And this is one of the reasons why I was thinking we might see a cut in the core you know, CPI. Because suppliers cutting uh, prices in August, but that takes a long time for it to go through the price, you know, the price change and, and to hit the consumer. Um, so suppliers cut in August. They also cut in July. So hopefully that's a sign that things are starting to ease up a little bit. Now, the producer price index, which measures uh, what suppliers are changing um, prices in and what they're charging businesses for, that fell 0.1% in August from July. It was, however, a smaller decline than the 0.4% decrease from July to June, and that's according to the Labor Department. On an annual basis, however... The PPI, which is the producer price index, and I'll talk a little bit about the difference in that, um, is still 8.7% higher in August than it was last year. Thank you, because that's where I was going to go uh, as soon as you took a breath, was the producer price index. Because when I was reading about that, that one was higher. And I was like, these are contradiction, you know, Brandon, what we're, what we're all saying. So please, you said you're going to explain the difference between, between these. Explain the difference. And tell me why they're contradicting each other, because if if one is going up, they all should be going up. Am I am I so wrong in that? CPI, consumer price index, is what you're paying. And, and it's a more lagging indicator. The producer price index, that usually goes up. And then the CPI follows because companies then realize that they have to raise prices. It's a matter of kind of who blinks first, right? Target wants to stay competitive with Walmart. Walmart wants to stay competitive with Amazon and so on. So if they're raising prices, they have to make sure that everybody else is going to have to do it as well. So the PPI goes up and CPI goes up. The PPI goes down. Usually the CPI goes down afterwards. Gotcha. Thank you. And there's another one called the core CPI, and this excludes food and energy prices. We still got an increase of 6.3% in August from a year earlier in the core CPI, even not. Including yeah. I mean, everything's up higher from a year, a year ago today. And it, it's, it, it's a hundred percent due to inflation and the economy's bad. We could sit here and talk all about it uh, and, and go in deep in detail about it. But I mean, we, we know, and I feel like 
I honestly feel like listeners are and people who watch these stock news shows. How, how tired are you hearing about the same people that go on TV and say the same thing? Very. I'm very tired of inflation, man. I'm very, I'm like, we need to do something about this, but you know, it affects us because every time, every month that the Fed has a rate, uh, chance to raise rates, you know, we're talking about it again because how much are they going to raise? Is it 100 basis points, 75 basis points? There was even a mention today of 150 basis points because it, they're, they're just not getting under control fast enough. Yep. And that, that's just if they raise it that fast, that quickly. Um, that's just going to push us right into what you called uh, deflation and a bad, deep recession, man. Yeah, I think what caught people off guard was that food prices went up in the past month. Yeah. I think that's really what caught people off guard. And that's the scary thing is the food prices going up. Energy yep. decreased. Um, gas went down. But food prices going up was a was a big problem, I think, for the Federal Reserve and for the people. Um it really like people who are on fixed incomes, you know, the, uh, the retired elderly and the retired, those are the people that are really suffering right now because there's nothing they can do about it. They're not going to increase, you know, they're not going to get raises in their social security. Yep. So yes, it, it's the, 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 it, the inflation is going to hurt the uh, elderly to retire the people who are on fixed incomes. Um, because as inflation goes up this high, they're not going to be able to keep up. When you retire, you hope to live off of 4% of your retirement savings every year and be able to live off that amount of money. Uh, if, if you can't do that because inflation is so high, then um, you know that's just what's going to happen. Um, but <laughs> there's no but. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bad situation, but I do want to look at because you're talking about interest rates, you're talking about you know percentages to live off of. So let's go into bonds. Uh, I didn't I didn't plan on bringing it here, but all morning I've been listening to bonds and the yields and what it matters, and if we're going to see a two year rise about the ten year, and so on and so forth. I heard Rick Sten, uh, Stanelli and and uh, uh, Leesman on CNBC this morning going back and forth about bonds. They were actually they were actually in agreement. These are two guys that don't always agree on hardly much, but they were in agreement today about bonds. And I remember a young Brandon Beaver about a year and a half ago was saying bonds are dead, but here they are getting close to 4%. That's attractive. And that's more attractive than what some stocks are yielding right now. Yeah. It's attractive compared to the S and P 500. Right. Who, which yeah. apparently is going to go down to 3000 according to some people on TV. And so, then, I mean, if you're looking at then, a negative S and P or a 4% yield on a 10 year or a two year, I think I would take this 4% yield. Wouldn't you? Yeah. And then here's the other uh, viewpoint to this if you were like Kathy Woods or Elon Musk and, and some of the other people out there that are now afraid of deflation on the other end of this and you're affecting you're, you're effectively expecting a sharp decrease in inflation then maybe that four percent's not such a bad deal um, if you're buying the bonds now and then you know people get really scared of an incoming recession and they start piling in the bonds for safety then all of a sudden what you bought at four percent is going to become a lot more um, valuable on the open market so then bonds won't be dead we back to bonds of the mid 80s that were giving you 10 to 12 percent returns yeah maybe i mean that's what we saw in the 80s that's what really made bonds a hot commodity for the first time ever yeah. in a while was uh in a while not ever but in a while was because they you know what happened from the early uh, from the late 70s into the 80s created a bond market where bond yields were up higher yep and if that's, that's awesome. what we're seeing now you're going to see people pump pump cash into bonds 
Treasuries are going up right now, but that's because people are getting out of them. But, you know, if it's expected that deflation is going to come and that we're going to head into a recession, then what you're buying right now could very well become more valuable in the future as a result. Yep. And then can the United States uh, pay these interest rates, these higher interest rates on these bonds right now? Because we're already overextended. The question is, too, can um, can tech companies that currently aren't making money still raise capital in that uh, in that environment? Can they still sell their debt on the bond market, on the corporate bond market with higher rates? Probably not. Really, They're just going to have to sell to companies like Apple that still have like $100 billion right. in cash. Or they'll have to sell more stocks, uh, stocks out onto the market at a steep discount and dilute their shares even more. And nobody and, wants to see a company dilute their shares like that unless right. you are GameStop. Which is why you see a large portion of the NASDAQ taking a bigger hit than you see the S&P 500 taking a hit and more, you know, bigger than the Dow. It's because people are afraid of the growth companies not being able to continue to grow because they won't be able to raise the capital to do it. Hmm. Speaking of deflation, I have an article here from CNBC. I will post it, uh, the link in the uh, episode notes page here. <clears throat> Kathy Wood has been known for her, her uh, calling um, out deflation as a uh, the number one threat. And now Jeffrey, Jeffrey Gunlock, Bond King, and Elon Musk have joined the camp. Similar reasons, but in many different uh, ways, they're different. So I want to go through this article a little bit here and discuss it. So Kathy Wood, and this is directly from the CNBC article, Wall Street's most vocal proponent of, de of deflation is getting a new high-profile supporter, um, even as price pressures continue to surprise to the upside. Let me get my glasses back on here. My Clark Kent disguise. Uh, Jeffrey Gunlock and Elon Musk recently joined Woods camp and calling for a decline for prices, expressing worries that the Federal Reserve might go too far. The so-called bond king, Jeffrey, uh, warned of deflation risk on Tuesday, urging investors to buy long-term treasuries. Meanwhile, this Tesla CEO uh, is calling uh, for falling commodity prices, saying that they're neither subtle or secret. He tweeted to 100 million followers that he has on Twitter that a, ma a major Fed Reich a major Fed rate hike risks deflation. And, it, and he's right. He's right about this too. They could go too far. Now, the question is, do you, if they go too far, how deep do they put us in a recession? But if they don't go far enough, that's an even bigger problem because of $460 that people are spending every month, uh, that is more than what they spent last year on goods and services. All of a sudden becomes $510 and $600 and then so on, right? It gets worse and worse and worse. We're nowhere near the height of inflation that we had in the 1970s. And we don't want that. So I would rather them go too far. And yes, it's it's a lot of pain. And the stock market's going to suck for a little bit. But in the short term, it, it's terrible. But in the long term, it's better to at least go too far and get it over with. Go ahead, Dave. Gotcha. Um, it going too far. All right. So I believe they're, uh, they're going to go a little too far, not too, too far, but I think, uh, we are going to, uh, get deeper into this recession. Uh, we're not at the bottom yet, 
do I still believe my October? Uh, I don't know, man. It's looking, it is looking more later on, but um, as far as the market goes, it, it will still be near there for right now is what I'm saying. But what I'm, here's what I want to, I want to put out there. If, if you, if you think we're going to go into a recession, people are going to have less money because high inflation and all that uh, jazz is coming. Where are we going to make cuts? Where's the average uh, family going to make cuts, right? They're going to cut one of their five streaming services. So everybody has like an average of three to five. They're going to start cutting down those down to like one, you know, so they're going to pick and choose the one or the two that they, they really are devoted to. Now, does that mean you start, you know, selling media companies, you know, Viacom or a Paramount or all these other companies, you start selling those. I don't know because we're also going into election season and they make a lot of money in election season based off of ad revenue. So I'm, so it might balance each other out there, but one that does not have ad revenue, thinks, uh, is Netflix. So Netflix is one that uh, right now I would I would be probably shortened. That's yeah. one I would say is a dog, and probably going to be a dog with fleas if they don't start getting uh their their stuff together here. Because right now you're just a dog. Netflix, don't be a dog with fleas. Don't be a dog with fleas. Yeah, and if you get that reference. Thank you. You're as old as me, and you've watched the same movies I have. <laughs> so she gives some some evidence here for her view. She said that gold, traditionally an inflation head hedge, hit its peak more than two years ago. Other commodities, including lumber, copper, iron ore, and oil, have all dropped double digits from their high. And then she stressed that inflation is less dire than it was in the 70s as it's triggered by temporary supply chain disruptions, including the pandemic. But the 70s, too, there were temporary supply disruptions with oil, um, the Yom Kippur War, um, OPEC and, and uh, you know, political issues there with them. So I, I just uh, I don't see your point as far as. Yeah, they dropped double digits from their high, but they were up higher than that from because of COVID and because of the supply you know issues. They're still they're still historically high. Commodity prices are. Yeah, commodity so, prices are are not going to go back down anytime soon. Now that companies have realized that they can make this kind of money, even if we get a period of deflation, I uh, I can't see them dropping drastically. They might go and come back down a little bit, but now that companies know that. You know they can make this kind of money. I, I'm, it's very sad to say. I don't. I don't trust in them to lower the prices if commodities prices uh, start to move down. Yeah. So I, you know, I I don't remember if I've said this on this podcast or not. I sold about twenty percent of my uh, portfolio on Monday. I'm now thirty three percent cash, and I knew it because the CPI number was coming out. And to me, it's it was either. Um, the devil you know or the devil you don't know yet, right? So if we've peaked on inflation, what's next? We've never had a soft landing in the history of the United States or economic recordings ever with this high of inflation. So if we've peaked with inflation, what's on the other side? Did we peak because the Federal Reserve is raising rates and raising the value of the dollar? If we did, fine, right? Or did we peak because demand is starting to turn negative? I think we peaked because demand is starting to turn uh, negative. You're still seeing some companies hit the revenue targets. I'll give the example of Target. 
they're still pulling in the revenue, yes, but that's because they're selling all this excess inventory at such a discount. If the they were not, terrible. yeah, if they weren't, if these companies, I'm just using Target as an example. They're not the only one, right? This is a uh, uh, this is a sector wide event. So if they quit selling at a discount, you're not going to see the sales you had uh, before. the The consumer is starting to pull back. You have companies uh, like a firm that are still pulling out good numbers, but yet they're 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 putting you know in guidance Africa. saying, yeah, they're they're doing guidance that uh you know it's not going to be as good. Uh, you have companies like Apple, the Apple Card, the Goldman uh, Sachs backed Apple uh, credit card, has the highest subprime number yeah. among all credit card companies, people. That means that Apple just threw it all out there to all their uh, Apple uh, uh, iPhone uh, people who had subscriptions and were with already in the Apple system. They went ahead and said, you, you qualify for a credit card. They gave out these credit cards to all these people. A lot of them were younger people who haven't established their credit yet. And so they're coming across the system of subprime credit. Yeah, a large portion and, of them had sub-660 credit scores. Yeah, and so uh, what, what you're going to see, what we what happens is – that you think that there could be a lot of default in things like that, because if we go into a recession, you worry about default. And if people start defaulting on these credit cards, then what does that do for Apple's fintech and their push into fintech? Do they start backing off? What does that do for companies like a firm who also have deal with a lot of subprime? You know, if people start uh, defaulting and just not paying. What's going on there? How are we going to happen? Is the government going to step in and say, we'll cover people's household debts of people who make less than so much such money? I mean, I, I, you know, I, and then that, that creates more inflation. It doesn't solve a problem. You're just printing money to help other people. Have you noticed uh, an increase in credit card offers to you? I, I, yeah, I have a ton every day. Yeah, every too. day I get a credit card me offer. Too. And my bank is calling me like every day trying to get me to refinance now. <laughs> yeah it's just i and i i don't get it i think they just i, I think if you have a, a blood pump and you could get a credit card in a house <laughs> yeah. somehow somebody will get you a house but that's not going to happen for long you know that that can't last we know I, that. I, we said that before we said we would never be back in that situation again as a country after 2008 that we're gonna have new rules new regulations we can't just give out loans to everybody and look where we're at yeah, we're Look, right we're, Bank of America announced yesterday they're going to have zero, uh, not yesterday, but this this week, zero down, no interest uh, loans for people who are in low income neighborhoods. We said after 2008 financial housing crisis that we would never give out uh, loans to people who couldn't qualify because that's what caused the whole market crash. We're yeah. giving out loans to, to, to people who put their dog's name on the application and they got a house loan. You know, and uh, now now we're just doing the exact same thing. And it has good intentions. No, don't get me wrong. It's good intentions. Yeah. You're trying to help out these communities and get people into home ownership. I get that. And I'm with you on that. But let's do it a different ways. Here I go. I'm going off political. But what I, we, I don't want to get political. Right? So I want to bring it back to investment. What I see happening is if we continue down this road, you're going to see the same thing that happened in 2007, 2008. If we don't stop it now. Yeah, I agree. And then that thus then if we start seeing that happen, if we start seeing uh, if Apple would be the first one to fall, if Apple starts getting lots of uh, people not being able to pay back their credit cards or being able to pay back their Apple loans, 
that's the first domino that's going to fall, and that's what's going to signal well, for me to go ahead and put everything in cash. I'll put everything in cash. It'll be Goldman. Yo, yeah. Goldman will feel that. Goldman will feel that. And I'll, I'll, I'll start putting stuff in cash at that point. You know, because I, I know the market will just fall off a cliff eventually, whether it takes a year or, or two years at that point, it's just going to fall off. I'll be like Michael Blurry and start buying derivatives that bet against the market because I, I, I would believe that that would be the first domino. Yeah. So I was happy that, you know, I made the right decision for myself, not happy that the market took a fall. And one day um, does not a market make, you know. It's not, you know, I can't look at yesterday and whatever, whatever percent, 1,200 uh, point drop in the Dow, worse since June of 2020, um, and then say I made the right decision. Nor can I go and get too excited and go looking for deals and try to put my money to work right away, right? That's yep. just a couple of percentage points off of what it was, you know, just last week. So I'm still waiting for a deal here. I've got a lot of money set set aside and, and I've got a couple of companies on my watch list that I want to get into quite a few and we'll see what happens. Go ahead. So let's start to wrap this up and bring this together, but I want to end on a positive note. We've been doom and gloom here for a couple of weeks now or a couple of months. I want to say, all right, so there can't be all negative. I know Jim Cramer is famous for saying, uh, you know, there's a bull market somewhere every day. Um, I mean, you know, I you can't always say that, but, Let's find some silver. What can we take out of this podcast uh, this week, man? Here's what I could take out of it. A, I could take that the mid uh, midterm elections are going to add some ad revenue to the uh, to companies that uh, uh, multimedia companies, right? They're going to get some extra ad revenue for those companies that don't have ads, such as Netflix. They'll be hurting because people are going to have to make cuts. That's what you're going to see a difference is in difference between Netflix and like Paramount. Paramount's going to continue to stay flat because of the ad revenue, even though there's a drop in other kind of sales. That's one thing to take out of this. We talked last week about how uh, Raytheon and uh, uh, was it Northport Grumman and, and and Lockheed Martin were going to be some good long-term plays. They're down 2 to 3%. But when you look at the market a whole, how many of these companies are were just down just 1% to 2% after the big drop-off? There was very, you know a lot of them took bigger drops than that. So these companies only took a 2% drop when the whole market was dropping a lot more than that. That tells me that they're holding up just fine. They're a great company still to get into, something to look for for a long-term investment. Another positive here to take out of it is if you were in oil, there was many opportunities in this last week since our last podcast that if you got in our oil from two weeks ago, our podcast from two weeks ago, many opportunities to take a 2% gain. Um, so that was also a positive if you were listening there. So great opportunities all around. You got to look for the opportunities though right now because the market, the overall mood is negative. So look and take your time, do some research and find these opportunities. Yeah, I sold, I sold my oil. I, I sold my, um, I bought an XLP, uh, XLE after the last podcast. I bought into XLE. Uh, two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago, not last yeah. one, two weeks ago. And I only made 3% off of it. And so that was, it's all right. It was good. Was 3% nice. awesome, dude. You made a Basically. profit. I'm very happy with that. Right. Right. And, and I debated this on Monday. That was one of the stocks that I sold. So I debated it, but. You know, there's there's a tug of war that's seemingly going on between the Federal Reserve and the federal government. The federal government wants to keep the spending going and, and uh, you know, make people happy and all that good stuff. The Federal Reserve wants to pull back the purse strings and they're kind of they're kind of arguing. They're arguing right now. They're, they're in a tug of war, it seems like. So who's going to win out? If the federal government wins out, then oil is probably going to go higher. Right. 
Federal Reserve is probably eventually going to win here, and oil as a result will go down. But there was just too many unknown unknowns, and with the CPI and, and numbers came out on uh, Tuesday, the PPI came out uh, today. I just don't want to chance it, so I sold it, took my gain, and got out and raised the cash. And uh, yeah, so I, I did want to talk about one more thing real quick because All this right. is right up here, Ali. I think Dave. Oh, is it oil? <laughs> no, no, no. This is blockchain related, and you know. Oh, blockchain! blockchain yes, let's go. So KKR and company, they are taking a piece of its private equity funds available on the uh, public uh, blockchain, and um, they are partnering partnering with the company Securitize, and they're going to tokenize an interest. In the second iteration of KKR's Healthcare Strategic Growth Fund, and they're going to make this available on the Avalanche public blockchain, and uh, this is confirmed by both ex- uh, CEOs of both companies. Go ahead. They're going to securitize and tokenize, monetize, um. a bunch of other things. I don't know what. It, see, I I don't really know what uh, the Avalanche public blockchain is, so you might know. I have no so clue. Avalanche is not one that uh, I am deeply familiar with. Now, I, I have only gone into crypto and and blockchains because out of a curiosity. So when I've gone in, I've only gone with like $250, $300, something small that I didn't mind losing just to test things out, see if I could learn these things and be able to speak to them. So that was my whole purpose behind them. So, yes, I have more experience than you, Brandon, on these. Avalanche is not one that I'm aware of. Now, using NFTs as a way to buy stock or as a token or a token, not NFT, sorry, a token. Uh, as a way to buy stocks, a very inventive way. And I, I like it. it's a good way to raise cash because you're basically creating tokens out there. You say, we're going to create a thousand tokens. And with if you buy one of these tokens, you're going to own so much of the company and it's a legal or agreement. Fund, for example, right. Yeah. Know. Or this fund. And uh, it's just like investing in a fund. It's just a new fun, exciting new way of doing it. It's the same thing as uh, putting a, out there on the stock market to invest in the fund. Um, it's the exact same thing. It's just now you have to do it through a crypto tokens. I believe they're going to raise a lot of money this way. Uh, and is the reason benefit? why is it so? Is it more secure this way that it can not be hacked or what? It can be more. It can be more secure. Yes, and it should be very much more secure. It all depends on the platforms that the people who buy these tokens go off and sell them. So if I if I get these token, right, if I get this avalanche token or whatever, KKR token, let's call it a KKR token. I get the KKR token, but if I go to some, you know, uh, blockchain.co.xe, you know, .us website and it's, you know, it's, it's you know, it's all misspelled and undercapitalized and I go ahead and I try to sell it on there. Yes, they can hack my account and take all my tokens. It's because it's, and it's because of the platform I'm using to exchange it. So that's what makes that's what makes uh, blockchains and cryptocurrencies vulnerable is the platforms. And usually people on those platforms are trying to hide money transfers and launder money from the US government. And that's why they've created those those type of platforms. The ma- the major ones have not had issues in quite a while. I know Coinbase has really worked hard to uh, shore up their security. Crypto.com, as far as I'm aware of, has not had any kind of security issue as of yet, but they are also new. But uh, they benefit from being new because they knew that that was a big problem and 
and uh, having people believe in the company that is secure. Uh, they they took some time and really put in a lot of security measures in place. So I hope that answers your question. Would I buy it now? That's a different question. I would have to see what the funds invested in and kind of get a overview of a prospectus, if you will, which they should legally be able to give to anybody who's interested in buying this. So I would like to see the prospectus before I go ahead and buy a uh, crypto token. Yeah, it's it's so funny because the securitized CEO seemed like he was surprised that the KKR CEO agreed to it. Not because he thought it was a bad deal, but because, as he said, usually nobody wants to be the first one to do this. Yeah, being the first out is very hard. It's challenging because you're going to take all the heat, all the criticism. And when if things go bad, you're going to be the one that everybody laughs at. And uh, that's a hard place to step out in front and be. But, you know, it's necessary for someone to start moving in that direction. I mean, yeah, but KKR you know. is one of the most innovative financial services. There's an innovative as you can be in that, in right. that, in that sector. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that it's them that took it, but it's just, uh, yeah. Brandon, final thought, man. Um, you know, there's a TikTok trend that I'm going to start right now, but I don't want anybody to actually do it because the result's not good. You say Jim Cramer's name three times in a mirror. He appears behind you, throws a toy bull at your head, yells, bye, bye, bye. And then that's not it. That's not, it's not over yet. You look at your, uh, Look at your brokerage account. All of a sudden it's at zero and then the bank is repossessing your house. So that that's your final thought. Okay. All right. So my final thought is like, look for investments, guys. Uh, Netflix. I, I, I'm, I'm, if I have to call something, I'm going to say Netflix, a dog, don't buy it. It, it. I can't see it going improving right now in this market conditions. Now that could change if they finally ever get their game system that they keep saying that it's up and running where you could, you know, play some games uh, via Netflix. But Amazon seems to be leading the way in that regard. Um, Amazon looks more like a winner in that regard. But uh, then again, does Amazon have that ad ad revenue coming in that they're going to need in November with all the midterm elections? Amazon has other ways of making money. Probably a good buy, but wait for it to drop more. Um, I like Brandon's idea of being in cash. Look for opportunities as the market continues to go down. Uh, when the Fed rate uh, announced what what kind of height they're going to have, whether it's 75, 100, 175, 200 basis points, I've heard all different numbers. Um, look for the you know, market to make a move one way or another. Maybe they already got a price in, but look for opportunities. I like the cash in hand that Brandon's got going on. I have a lot of cash in hand. Um, as compared to earlier this year when you know we were pretty much almost 100% invested. So I'm keeping my eyes open. I still like if you want a long-term investment idea, I still agree with the uh, military uh, component one, the Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, and so forth, because we got to replenish all these supplies we're sending to Ukraine. Northrop just uh, lowered their guidance for this year, I think. Yeah, Northrop had a lot of things. I don't want to get into it now because it's going to take about another 15 minutes. And uh, we're, at, we're I think we're long enough in here. <laughs> I think we're here. Uh, but North, Northrop Gundam had some comments about SpaceX and what they're doing in partnership with SpaceX. And they had some good innovation there. And we could get into that another time. But uh, they did lower their guidance. Uh, I still think that we're going to have to replenish all these javelins that we're giving away and, and tanks and missiles and everything. So good investments long term. All right. All right, guys. So, so as uh, we look forward to seeing you guys Saturday, come on down Union Center Boulevard, Starbucks, 11 a.m. Saturday, September 17th. We'll be there to answer questions. You get to meet us live. We'll be podcasting live 
on Instagram. So if you can't be there in person, listen to us on uh, Instagram, tune in, ask questions. We'll try to answer as many as we possibly can during that time. As always, we hope we've been entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night.